0: Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today, we round up massive wins, recorder and answer, and ask if a world tour is closer than ever. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, trusted by Olympic gold medalist and brand ambassador Nelly Corder. Hello, my name is Dan, back again presenting this week and I'm joined as always by Elliot Heath. How are you Elliot?
1: Hey Dan, yeah, good mate. Glad to see you got the call up after a successful week last week.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've, got, I've got full playing rights now after my trial after my trial shift. Uh, so yeah, thanks for having me back on. Um, how was your weekend? Did you play any golf?
1: Uh, yeah, it was good. I played golf on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, rain again, honestly. Oh, don't last, start me on that,
0: mate.
1: Last four rounds have been pretty much heavy downpours. And uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I had to actually stop playing after seven holes. And then the last three or four times, it's just been umbrellas out. So yeah, it's tough. We, we'll definitely do some good weather soon, aren't we?
0: We are, mate, and I, I don't like playing. I don't like the faff of waterproofs and umbrellas and just it kind of distracts me from my game entirely. Um, I didn't play this weekend. Well, actually, I played nine hours yesterday just, just to have a walk around, but I, I climbed Mount Snowdon on Saturday, so I was I was busy halfway up a mountain in Wales, which was doubly wet as well, so that wasn't much fun. Oh, wow. Um, how long did that take? Uh, on the way up was like two and a quarter, two and a half, and then on the way down was like three and a half because we, we took a different route and then it started to really rain. I'm talking like Welsh sideways <laughs> rain, and we got a little bit lost. And yeah, so it, it was a it was a good old walk. I think it was a it was like an 18k walk. My my whoop band, which a few of the golfing dads are using, nearly exploded. It was like, what the hell are you doing? I think I was like <laughs> like maximum strain for the day. So that was fun. Oh, nice.
1: uh, and, um, I did uh, Van last month, which is uh, yeah the highest peak in the Brecon Beacons, and that's like the, the highest I've ever been. And so yeah, I got a little bit of the bug for climbing mountains. So um, no, that, that's really cool. Something I'd definitely love to do. Although I'm not really sure I'm fit enough for it because <laughs> it's is hard, isn't it?
0: It's a good walk, but I'm the same. I've got the bug for it now. I think we're going to go do Ben Nevis in in the near future. Um, but I lived in uh, I lived in Colorado for a year in Boulder, and the 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 altitude there was another two thousand feet higher than Mount Snowden actually was. So. I was just kind of talking to people like, yeah, this is, this is nothing, guys. Obviously, I didn't have to climb up to Boulder. I got a plane in there. But yeah, anyway, um, let's just talk about the golf for this week, mate. There's been a heck of a lot going on that we need to round up. And we will start with the headline event, which is the Women's Olympics. Um, as I said at the top of the show, world number one, Nelly Korda, made it a double goal for Team USA thanks to a one-stroke victory. Japan's Mone Inami defeated Lydia Ko uh, in the silver medal playoff. Lydia Ko sort of... Missing a slightly small putt um, to to give that to Japan's uh, Inami, silver and bronze for Lydia Ko. Now, Um, did you see Elliot? Caught a nearly shot of fifty nine, and then the classic thing when I think any golfer has a score in their mind on the eighteenth tee. (laughs) Unfortunately, made a double bogey, but she shot sixty two on the Saturday. Yeah, Um, it was crazy. That was crazy. That I felt really bad for her. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, what a week. And it's amazing to see US gold at the top now. Um, obviously, it, it seems like it's been quite a while since the US have kind of dominated. And obviously, they're not dominating yet, because the Koreans are still so strong. But um, yeah, fantastic. And, and what a great games for um, the US team with, with gold in both the men's and women's.
0: Yeah, they absolutely killed it. And I think, I think you wrote a piece on the, on the Golf Monthly website, actually, about America's position in the men's game, especially, and whether we're going to get, we being Europe are going to get absolutely battered in this Ryder Cup, which I'm getting increasingly worried about. And then the Solheim Cup, obviously, this year as well, with America looking really strong. Um, A shout out to India's Ashok, who finished fourth. It was a pretty gutting fourth. I think she was sort of a a fan's favourite. World number 200 was sort of there or thereabouts um, for the whole tournament and just missed out by a shot. There was some really dodgy weather around as well. At the course um the final day had a, had a small break and then there was questions about whether they might reduce it to a 54 hole comp uh, which luckily they didn't have to do i think that would have that would have that would've been really frustrating uh and then your pick Elliot mel reed didn't have the greatest time unfortunately she finished 55th and then jody you shot a 40th for, for gb
1: yeah uh shame about that and a shame for gb after the gold last time in rio uh i know paul casey went very close to losing out in the bronze medal playoff for the men but um Yeah, it's a shame, and hopefully we can go get one next time.
0: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we didn't speak speak about Paul Casey too much last week, uh, but he was close. On the Olympics as a whole, though, I'm missing it already. I know this isn't specifically golf, but I don't know if you were watching it every morning, just kind of in the background. It was a nice distraction, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I've got my iPad at home just on my desk all day, and I've basically been watching everything, swimming, gymnastics mountain biking, BMXing. Oh, I, I miss it so much. It's, it's so good. And I think it only went for, went on for two weeks, didn't it? Which I thought was a bit short. I thought the Olympics was a bit longer than that. But yeah, definitely um, got the Mondays about the Olympics. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's it. I think it was like 16 days. I was the same. I'm like, oh, it's over already. That's a bit of a shame. I watched the modern pentathlon, which was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I don't know if you watched that. Uh, with like the fencing and the horse riding and swimming and running and shooting. That was a bit crazy.
1: Yeah, that's gotta be one of the new events, hasn't it? I've never heard of
0: that before. No, mate, it's been it's been there for like a hundred years. It's just called modern because it's like modern versus the ancient games. I think there's been it's been like at loads of Olympics now. It was like what what people did back then. That, that's about <laughs> all I've got. on It like a, a good a good athlete then could fence and shoot and run apparently.
1: Uh, it makes it's like um in the winter olympics where they do skiing and shooting isn't it yeah exactly yeah
0: such a strange combination uh, right i've got off the topic of golf there quite hard uh let, let's get back onto it we we spoke in last week's party if you want to go listen to that about uh golf in the Olympics as a whole uh you mean and Andy quite a quite a long chat about that so go back and listen to that if you want to hear a chat about golf in the Olympics but it just felt like a success didn't it, Elliot we'll talk about it briefly again with the women's event now but it's definitely finding its feet here. I think the women's was as good, you know, if not better than the men's, it was a little bit closer. And I still want a a little change to the format. I think after watching the women's game and reflecting on our chat last week, I'd love to see a match play event in there somehow if they can try and squeeze away doing that.
1: Yeah, I get that potentially. But um, like I said, I don't think it's going to change. And I think next time, it's going to be better for the American audience. Certainly it's going to be better for the European audience. There's going to be no COVID, hopefully. <laughs> Touch wood. Uh, there's going to be no Zika virus. Maybe yeah. the schedule is going to be a little bit better as well. So I think the fields are going to be awesome. The viewing time is going to be a lot better for us over here in, in the Western world, I guess. And um, hopefully the TV coverage is better as well. Obviously, the BBC let us down this year. We didn't really get to see much of it. We did see the final stages, of course, but um not like, you know, on Sky Sports and we can watch every single shot like we do every week. So. um that's the only worry for me is the TV coverage because other than that, I think um, it's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, spot on. I think all the stars will align for, for us, especially with, with where it is in Paris in 2024. And I agree with the coverage. I think I think Discovery bought the coverage for the UK for the next like three Olympic cycles and gave the Beeb like a little bit of stuff. So the BBC's really got to spread itself thin with what it's covering. So I think maybe if you subscribe to Discovery Plus in 2024, you might be able to get to see it a bit more. But Agreed. I think it, it all could align to be a really great event uh, in 2024. Um, so that was the Women's Olympics. Well done to Nelly Corder, um, the favourite going in, and, and she smashed it, really. So uh, well done to her. Right, Elliot, the WGC Felix and Jude Invitational finished late last night after uh, a three-way playoff. Uh, Abraham Anser becoming the first Mexican to win a WGC, and that was his first PGA Tour win as well. He defeated Matsuyama and Sam Burns in a playoff, uh, birdieing the second playoff hole. Uh, Harris English squandered a four-stroke lead in the back nine to miss out on the playoff by a single stroke. And it was a pretty brutal breakdown from Harris English, actually. He's already won twice this year, and it looked like it was going to be a bit of a shootout between him and his playing partner, Bryson and DeChambeau. And they both just sort of stagnated. They kind of dragged each other down a little bit. The, the pace of play was terrible on the front nine, and they just really struggled. Um, I was quite shocked to see this earlier. I thought it was going to be probably DeChambeau. He looked really strong. And then if not english but it was great to see answer get his first win uh, he came from a, a few strokes back and then matsuyama and sam burns shot 63 and 64 respectively actually to to get into the playoff so it was a really fun sunday i wasn't such a fan of thursday friday or saturday there wasn't much atmosphere going on but uh, what did you think about the result and, and this week's golf?
1: yeah i loved it uh, i only caught sort of the last nine holes because i was out all day but um yeah, what finish? I know the guys were on the uh, the clock for the front nine and all the back nine and, and Harris English, in a very good interview after, actually did say that that kind of got in the way. He was rushing, he wasn't able to take his time so, um, yeah, him for him and, you know, fair play to, to him for doing that interview but it was a complete meltdown, wasn't it? He shot five over for the back nine. He was in the world's top ten a few weeks ago so he, he's riding this the crest of the wave right now and um, that's going to take a lot of confidence out of him. <laughs> you think, remember when Martin Keimer lost the 10 stroke lead in Abu Dhabi? He hasn't won since. Yeah. What was
0: that?
1: He hasn't won in seven years since his US Open win. And, and obviously, Harris English isn't quite the esteemed player as Martin Keimer, but this is something that could r- really derail him. Um, hopefully, not though, like, because he's a great player, but um, yeah, quite a catastrophic ending.
0: So they put it, I think they both, I say they, him and English and Bryson both put it in the water on the par three, 12th. I think Bryson got scared by English's falling short and he blazed over the back of the green. It was a bit of an unlucky bounce. Uh, So English made the five, uh, Dishamba actually made a six on that and that was when his race was run. And then English put it in the water again on the next par three in the back nine. I can't remember the, the hole exactly, but he hit what looked like a very close shank. I don't like using that word out loud um and it just sort of imploded and then he, he just he just looked pretty pretty gone from there I agree that it was really interesting to hear about him speak about the rate of play because I think he's he's a fairly slow player I don't think he's known for it but he was with Bryson who likes as we know to kind of take his time over shots and there was a ruling on the front nine that really slowed the play down a ruling for Bryson where he was up against a fence but there was also a path. And it was after that that they got put on the clock. So it wasn't even English's fault per se. And it really affected his game. Um, I, I I have Ryder Cup watch on all the time. And I'm thinking, is English going to get in this team, if not by qualification, which he would have after this? Does a performance like that probably put him off a pick if he doesn't qualify automatically, do you reckon?
1: Uh, well, hopefully for him, Steve Stricker wasn't watching and Steve Stricker just looks at the leaderboard and says, oh, Harris English in the top five again. That's pretty good. But um, no, yeah, I think that probably rules him out for a pick, doesn't it? I mean, if he can't take that pressure in a WGC in the final round, you wouldn't really fancy him on the final day of the Ryder Cup. Albeit, you know, he was in the Walker Cup. I think he was a fantastic amateur and, you know, even the best golfers do have their meltdowns. So, um, yeah, it it definitely hasn't done him any
0: favours though. Get him in the team from my, from our our perspectives, mate. (laughs) I think he will do a great job. Uh, Shame, but I agree. Like, that could have been his third win of the season. I feel like you've got to strike while the iron's hot on the tour and a little put a little WGC under his belt would have been huge for him here. And yeah, it's going to take a lot to recover from. Uh, great to see Answer win. Um, a really cool playoff with Matsuyama and Sam Burns. Great to see Matsuyama n- not back, but I feel like he must just be like exhausted. Like, he won the Masters. That's And you know he goes back to Japan for the Olympics last week and he's like the sort of figurehead for all of that. Comes back over to the States, shoots an unbelievable Sunday 63. I feel like he can really kick on from here again, if you know what I mean. Now that sort of like wave of lots going on in his life is kind of over. It was really good to see him still perform despite all that's going on outside of golf for him at the minute.
1: Yeah, a great final round. He was nine back at the start of the day. It's incredible. And uh, Sam Burns was eight back, so... That's just mental. And yeah, he was fourth in Tokyo. So second here, an amazing little run for him after that incredible Masters win. And um, yeah, he had a really good goal on that first playoff hole. I think he lipped out. I think he thought he was going in and then he had a really good effort with the uh, the second part on the second hole. So yeah, could have been another win for him. But yeah, just a a great player. Great to see where he is in the game now. Uh, I was actually thinking yesterday, was his Masters win the best story of the year? Like we've had so many great stories first Japanese to win the Masters, then we had the first over 50 to win a major, then we had the first Spaniard to win the US Open, and then obviously we had Colin Morikawa winning the Open in his debut, so um, just an amazing year for golf, and, and Hideki's definitely up there in what's been an incredible year for stories.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's still top for me just, like you said though, it's been a crazy year for stories, and that was like, I only started here at Golf Monthly in February, and the Masters my first sort of major to cover with you guys, and then... It was such a good story i was like wow does it always go like this and then it kind of has with phil and colin and um and john rahm yeah so Anse's first win on tour the first mexican to win a wgc up to 11th in the world now uh, in the world rankings obviously loads of fedex points up for grabs a huge purse as well for him uh great to see him win Elliot. i was surprised that was his first win um he's just been around and sort of up there enough that i'm like he must have won before so great to see him finally uh win basically
1: yeah, uh, he's won on the Corn Fairy Tour before and then most notably won the Australian Open in 2018, which was uh, a massive win in terms of history, but I guess you don't really get the field down in Australia that you used to, unfortunately, but still a massive tournament. Um, yeah, he's been a fantastic player for a very long time now. Um, I love how he plays. He's not really a bomber. He, he hasn't got the most picture-perfect swing. He's just long and sort of languid, I guess, but uh, just a fantastic competitor. Great short game. Uh, I remember Ernie L saying that he could be world number one. He's that good. Uh, And now he's on the cusp of the the world's top 10. So, yeah, I kind of knew he was going to do it. It it, it was just his time. He's been way too good for too long without winning on the PGA Tour. And, um, I mean, if Ernie's saying he could be world number one, obviously Ernie uh, was with him at the President's Cup. Then, I don't know, maybe he'd get in the world's top five. Maybe he could win a major. Maybe he could just keep this form going because he really is a joy to watch. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of his.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like his his time was about now, isn't it? And I think the way he played, uh, the playoff hole twice which was the 18th. Big dog leg, right to left. He hit these two beautiful draws with, I think, a three wood. I think that's how he sees it, anyway. But he, he found the fairway on the second o- occasion and and stuck it close. And he was first in the hole as well. I don't know if you saw what you did. How close Sam Burns got? He actually got inside him after a really good approach shot, and. I think one of the skycoms was like first in the whole wins. Answer bangs the putt in. And Burns is a bit unlucky with a lip out, but after seeing the line, he probably should have hold it. So good match play stuff from Answer as well.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, cracking shot in there. And um that's not really the putt you want, is it? A little four footer left to right. It's a nasty one. Or I guess it'd be right to left for you, wouldn't it? As a left. It'd, but... it'd be a
0: nice hooker for me, mate. Actually, I'd I'd like the look of that more.
1: <laughs> but uh yeah, no. Um really good finish in the end and um yeah, very, very happy for Ansa to see him win
0: like that. Yeah, a good winner. I like it when someone nice wins. Do you know what I mean? Um, some other highlights from the week. See, with uh, Kim made a 13 on the 11th hole after hitting six balls into the water. I've not been able to see him actually do this yet, but the PJ Tour put a really useful thing on Instagram of like his shot tracker. And every time a ball went in the water, it would go red. And it was just. A, a real implosion. That's the highest score on a par three in a regular PGA Tour event since 1983. Um, that was pretty amazing. And then quite amusingly, I think he they've taken it well. Um, he was pitched on a plane with Kevin Nahr, who has the highest score on a par four on the PGA Tour. I think at the Valero Texas Open a few years ago, he got himself stuck in the trees. So see we take it on the chin there and just and flying off to the next event, basically head down.
1: Yeah. Um, the most incredible thing about that was that he then went birdie the next and then went and doubled the next par three by hitting it in the water again and then he went and made three birdies in a row so um, (laughs) what a bounce back I mean he shot 12 over on the two par threes on the back nine and he shot eight over on the back nine so um, (laughs) yeah clearly didn't phase him I mean he didn't break his putter this time like he did at the Masters Um, and yeah clearly took it quite well so yeah yeah very funny
0: Good for him, and I think they were saying if they got John Daly on that plane, that would be the three men with the highest score on a par three, par four, and par five, respectively. <laughs> I think John Daly had an eighteen on a par five way back when, so I'm sure they'd have a lot to talk about. Uh, should we quickly chat about Bryson's week? He's always in the news. He's always worth a chat. He had a bit of a he had a bit of a weird week, really. Um, he had a big Brooksy shout on Sunday, which was caught on, on TV, which he wasn't best pleased with. There was one really funny clip, and this is just me being really picky, but there was like there was like a fence we actually had, had to climb over to get his ball. And it was a really short fence, but he he decided to go under it rather than over it. And someone on Twitter was like, because Bryce had never seen a fence before. Uh that was just a niche thing. Um and then a few pros were calling him out on Twitter for not shouting for. Uh, this thing's been going around for a while, Elliot. And I think it was Richard Bland, Eduardo Molinari, and a couple of others sort of hopping on that fan wagon of just trying to get him into the habit of doing it
1: yeah especially after I think it was the open where he said that he shouts for 99.9% of the time or something yeah. like that um mm-hmm. which yeah he clearly doesn't and he doesn't do himself any favors uh, it's bad etiquette but I don't know do you feel sorry for Bryson a little bit I mean he's just always sort of getting these negative comments he's not very popular at all on social media um and, you know, in this age of mental health and, you know, being kind to people, I do kind of feel a bit sorry for him.
0: Ooh, I, don't, ooh, I like the question. I don't know if I do or not. I think I just think he's the PGA Tour's great, you know, anti-hero. He's, he's, he's what we need. Um, I struggle to feel sorry for him when he's like carving it over spectators, like trying to cut dog legs and knowing it's not it's not going to make it and not shouting. But, you know, the shout of Brooksy on Sunday, I did feel quite bad for him on that occasion, actually. He clearly didn't like it. He was like, he made a really sarky comment back. And that made me feel sorry for him. But on the whole, I don't. I think he plays the role really well. I think he knows what he's doing. Um, and I, I quite I like him for that, don't get me wrong. But I can't, I struggle to feel sorry for him in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, it's a tough one. And obviously, he's got many, many, many millions of dollars and many trophies, including the US Open trophy. But um I was yeah, disappointed to see that he didn't talk to the media um any day. And that was even after his um thoughts on the COVID vaccine before the tournament. Yeah. Again he was slated for that online. Um and I don't know if, if a player doesn't talk to the media, that probably just shows you that they're not really feeling it. They're not in a good place in their head. So that was disappointing because obviously we get loads of stories out of Bryson and if he doesn't want to talk to the media I think that's a, a, a real shame.
0: That was a really interesting point this week uh, about him not talking to the media. And I think it was as soon as he made those vaccine comments. I don't think he's spoken to the media since. Um, you know, those vaccine comments were a little bit irresponsible for a man in his position. Um, he probably should have just deflected that and, and, not, and not said what he said. But... I agree. He clearly can't be in a good headspace where he doesn't want to talk to the media. I feel like he likes to talk. You know, he, he likes being that part of attention. To see him kind of withdraw like that is a little bit little bit out of his character. Obviously, he's recovering from COVID still. And did you see, did you feel he looked a little bit, I think you said he lost about 10 pounds. Um, did, did you think he looked a little bit different this week as well?
1: Yeah, he did look a little bit slimmer, didn't he? And I know that he said that he lost, was it five or 15 mile an hour ball speed off his drive? So uh, definitely been affected by it. Um, And yeah, I remember it went with a couple of years ago, Rory McIlroy didn't talk to the media on the Saturday after a really poor round, and he's done it again in that time as well after a really poor round. But for a player to um, not talk to the media for an entire tournament week, it is strange. And yeah, it could be COVID maybe. He's just, yeah, in a bit of a bad spot at the moment, which is sad, especially when he nearly won the tournament and had uh, an even worse back nine than Harris English, I think.
0: Yeah, he did. Well, that was it. He was not like he missed the cut or anything. Like he was there or thereabouts until like the back nine on Sunday. So it was very surprising. Um, I think he's saying he's going to start laying off like the the eating, the amount he has to eat, and and this sort of like max out attack stuff. And I thought his swing looked a bit better for it. He looked a little bit more in control. And I mean, he still hit a few drives, you know, carrying three twenty plus. But he looked a little bit more in control of his game. And I think he's just going through a little readjustment now. Uh, But obviously with the playoffs coming up, we'll see how he adjusts. Okay, so away from the WGC, uh, the Barracuda Championship on the PJ Tour took place this week as well. Eric Van Royen won his first PJ Tour title. Um, He finished with 50 points. Uh, This was a modified stale for scoring system. That 50 points was five clear of American Andrew Putnam. So this was a cool event. I didn't watch any of it, but I was reading about it this morning. Players received eight points for an albatross, five for an eagle, two for a birdie. And zero for a par in this in this modified system. Uh, a point was subtracted for a bogey and three points subtracted for a double bogey or worse. This was huge for Van Roy and obviously his first win on the PGA Tour, but it moved in from 139th in the FedEx standings to 78th. I'm not sure if he's playing in the Wyndham, but I mean, 78th is, is a pretty strong position to be in. I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine to get into his playoffs, which is huge for him as well. Not long since he was pretty much just a just a European tour player, and now he's uh, making it over in the states. Uh, you probably didn't watch any of this either, Elliot, because I'm not sure if it was on Sky or not. I can't remember. But interesting to see a little Stableford on the PGA tour—a little bit of fun.
1: Yeah, this is one of those opposite events, isn't it? I think Colin Morikawa won this. Actually, this is his first PGA tour win, and um, yeah, fantastic for Van Roy. And like you said, he was a European tour player, and he's really made that jump now over to the states. I think he even lives in Florida now. So um, hopefully, he'll follow the likes of. You know, Ernie Els, Louis Hazen, and Charles Schwarzel, in having some PJ Tour success. Um, and I think he's a fantastic player. I've, obviously, he's done really well on the European Tour. But I remember at it might even be the um, the Mexico Championship last year. I thought he was fantastic that day, and that was really where I thought that he could go and win on the big stage. And um, he hasn't won that much really. I think he's won four times since the start of twenty seventeen. So. Um, not prolific yet but still picking up some uh, some really nice trophies and definitely a great player
0: and that win you know secures his card for next year gets him a place at the pga championship little things like that to kind of help him build that ladder and start to build his career uh, so well done to eric uh, on the european tour the hero open was won by scotland's grant Forrest. that was his maiden european tour title uh, and that was played at Fairmont St Andrews. Uh, he beat James Morrison by a single stroke and he's now up to a career best 174th in the world. Um, that's the first Scottish winner in Scotland since Paul Laurie won there in 2012, which is an interesting little stat. Um, let's move on to some of the biggest news away from the golf itself, Elliot, which came out literally as we finished recording last week's podcast, which is the new PGA Tour schedule. Fairly monumental news this was, really interesting to read about and cover. So the details have been revealed um, on the European and PGA Tours Strategic Alliance, is what they've called it. Uh, There's now three co-sanctioned events, including the new Genesis Scottish Open, uh, a new big sponsor taking that event on board. The Irish Open will now have a fund up to $6 million. The Barbasol and Barracuda Championship, which sort of run when there's a, a double event going on, is now open to 50 European Tour members. And they've reduced the World Golf Championships, the one we saw this week, uh, from four down to two. And I think um, TPC Southwind will now be the first uh, playoff event, actually, as well, in, in a big rescheduling. Um, so as I said at the top of the show earlier, you know, is this the World Tour getting a little bit closer? We're seeing the PJ Tour and the European Tour snuggle up even closer now. Um, and what did you think to this news?
1: Um, yeah, I was quite surprised, actually. I mean, we heard about the uh, Strategic Alliance last year we know why it was done it was done to fend off the premier golf league who are proposing a world tour of their own but yeah it's great to see co-sanctioned events for the first ever time between the pga and european tour Uh, the scottish open next year is going to be absolutely packed obviously the week before the open championship i think that one is going to be 73 players from the pga tour 73 from the european tour so um yeah great news there for for the european tour i guess to, to really have that elevated great for the irish Open. Uh, great for the european tour players as well they can go and play in the Barbasol and the barracuda on the pga tour uh, and fedex Cup points there and race to the buy points there as well so yeah it's good it's really good um surprised to see only two world gold championships i don't know if that is the end of the wgc's now or if they're they're just focusing on two or, or they are going to be phased out but yeah big news great for both tours but the premier golf league isn't going away <laughs> it's made no. that very clear it never goes away so um the ball is now in the pgl's court and we'll see what the premier golf league comes up with next
0: yeah it's, it's definitely just coming together to fend that off isn't it and it, it feels like a win-win for the pga tour and the european tour i think everybody got what they wanted from this and this is just sort of another stepping stone between the two tours to eventually merge even closer and closer um and who knows what might happen in the next three or four years um, we're still waiting for the, Euro- the full European tour schedule, uh, but the PGA Tour did announce its full schedule—the wraparound season again um, when this press release came out on Tuesday. And yeah, less WGCs, which I'm not too fussed about to be honest. I don't, I don't live for them. Um, I suspect they'll get they'll get sort of phased out. I know the WGC event that used to be in Mexico is now just onto the tour. Um, there was a slight adjustment of the playoff schedule where that was going to be played. And it just seems like a nice new, freshen up, a good alignment between the two guys just to fend off um, any threats, I guess. But yeah, the Scottish Open is huge. I mean, I think you wrote a piece, Elliot, or or someone put on the Golf Point website about how it might not be so great for some of the journeyman European Tour players who obviously would get a place on this big event. But now they probably won't be able to, or at least they'll have to play a bit better to get in.
1: Yeah, there was a great story this year with Jack Senior, who won an Mm. awful lot of money and then he got into the Open Championship. Uh, and what an awful lot of money there as well so um that probably won't happen next year but then again they can go play the the over in the us if if they want to and i'm sure they will want to so um yeah maybe it's not as bad as we first thought and yeah i'm just really looking forward to see how this progresses to be honest seeing the likes of the bmw pga championship you know every single year that's played at wentworth it's always why aren't there more americans why aren't the big names playing and maybe in the future this is going to happen Uh, obviously we want to see more pga tour events in europe or in asia in australia if we do want a world tour um it'd be great to see the pga tour play valderrama or le golf national maybe they could co-sanction the french open or something like that Mm. so um there's so much potential here and yeah it could be the start of a world tour because if they want to fend off the premier golf league i think they need to start to go that
0: way Love the idea. Get some co-sanctioned events at, at the sort of the big Rolex events could become co-sanctioned, couldn't they? And they could play at some really iconic European and Asian and uh, Australian courses. Um, I think it, would, it just seems to benefit everybody. I just, I, I just see it's good for fans. I think it's good for TV. There's going to be more golf with better players. In more parts of the world it's, it's all it all seems good so far obviously and we'll see how everyone begins to adjust um as this as this starts to change and keep your eye for the pgl as you said earlier they're not going away they'll be keenly looking at this won't they
1: yeah um so yeah what events would like to see i'd love to see the south african open that's one of the world's greatest opens the yeah. french open that's another one is the spanish open yeah i guess that's historic isn't it although that just hasn't got the field of recent but that's another one they could put on it, and then. Where else would you like to see that world tour go if the PGA and European tour continued working together?
0: I mean, the ones you mentioned there definitely I'd love to see it go to Asia. I don't I don't watch enough golf in Asia. I don't know many courses. If they could like pick two great courses out there and co sanction those events, and then you know, I'd I'd consume it more then and I'd get to see some different golf courses. So something like that, maybe.
1: Yeah. Oh, what about the Middle East? Go go take the Dubai Desert Classic or the Abu Dhabi yeah. Championship. I mean, I'm sure the, the Americans will come over on a first-class jet and get um, five-star hotel treatment for the week.
0: <laughs> Listen, they won't be complaining about that if all of a sudden they've got to fly to Dubai for the week. I don't think that's too much of a problem. Um, so, yeah, in Australia, I guess, just sort of the big golfing nations that sort of have their opens, but they're kind of hidden away a little bit. Just bring them back to the top again. I think you could really uh, open the open the world of golf up again even more. Um, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, we've got loads of news about that on the Golf Monthly website if you want to go check out more about that uh, new PGA Tour schedule and that strategic alliance. Uh, but now it's time to talk about our sponsor, Titleist, uh, with the Pro V1 Golf Ball claiming seven worldwide wins this past week alone. Uh, first up, brand ambassador Nelly Corder relied on a full bag of Titleist equipment, including the TSI1 driver, Pro V1 Golf Ball and new T100 irons to successfully claim the gold medal in the Women's Championship at the Olympic Games. Corder was joined in the winner's circle by fellow golf ball loyalist Abraham Anser, who also had a Pro V1 in play to capture his maiden WGC and PGA Tour title at the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. The number one brand in golf was also trusted by more players in the golf ball, driver, hybrid, utility, iron, wedge and putter category at TPC Southwind this week. Over on the European Tour, brand ambassador Grant Forrest claimed his maiden European Tour victory on home soil at the Hero Open in Scotland where Titleist also led the field in ball, driver, iron and wedge categories. To find out more about Titleist's fantastic product lineup in 2021, head to Titleist.co.uk. Right, Elliot, let's look ahead. Um, the world of golf moves on swiftly, and it will be the Wyndham Championship in the PGA Tour this week. The final event for the playoffs start, this is absolutely one of my favourites because you've got that 125 bubble, and they'll be following that all week. And I can't wait to see the reds and the greens and who comes in and who goes out all that stuff. Um, so the top 125 in the points list will progress to the playoffs. Uh, some big names on the bubble. You'll hear that a lot this week, the bubble. Uh, Ricky Fowler is currently 125th and he's never missed the playoffs. Gosh, that could be big. Uh, England's Tommy Fleetwood is 133rd and Justin Rose is 134th, both leading a solid week to progress. Um, I'm a Ricky Fowler guy, Elliot. I was I was the kid who would dress as him and follow him around on the golf course. So. You know, I really want him to do well, and he struggled this season. If he can just squeak into the playoffs and see where he can go from there, that would be huge. Um, who else are you looking out for this week uh, at the Wyndham?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Ricky Fowler guy as well, though. Good. I, I've never overrated him like everyone else has, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason, he just hasn't quite delivered what we hoped he would, yeah, all those years ago, and what well, he's been a pro now, probably for. 12 years or something and yeah it just hasn't quite gone that way whereas we thought it would be him and Rory just like leading the era but mm. yeah he's on quite a bad run of form I guess his last win was probably the the Phoenix Open in 2019 so well over two and a half years ago now and it would be great to see him pick up a win because you know we see it on the website people love to read about Ricky Fowler people love Ricky Fowler and yeah it would just be a great story for golf and um yeah, I, I do like this week. I'd love to see Justin Rose win again because, again, he's been a little bit quiet since he got to world number one in 2019. So, uh, yes, yeah, surprised to see him outside that one two five. And um, yeah, it'd be great to see Rose get a win.
0: Let's look at some other names on the bubble. Um, Francesco Molinari's outside. I mean, he's only played 14 events, so you'd expect that. Ryan Moore's down there. I mean, the people who are outside there's some, there's some big names that gonna, we could potentially miss out here. Who's right on the bubble? It was Fowler, Patrick Rogers, Nate Lashley, Adam Scott's one, two, three. So th- this is going to be a really fun event. I just love watching it. You know, obviously you've got the event itself, but then you've got all the little, oh, if he makes the cut, he'll get through, or, or he might not. There's going to be all of that going on this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, great tournament. I mean, we don't really need it for the first round, do we? I mean, we'll probably <laughs> see a graphic that Ricky Fowler's made a bogey and he's now dropped out, even though he's only played two holes. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good course. I love the 18th hole here. It's downhill and then it goes up. And I've got good memories of Davis Love winning here. I think, what would he have been? It was 2015 and he is 57 now. So he would have been 51 or 52. I think he was one of the oldest winners in PGA Tour history. So yeah, it's always got good stories. I mean, Jim Herman won it last year. That was another really good story. And uh, yeah, it should be another good week.
0: you got a cracking memory, Elliot. I can't say I remember Davis Love winning that. But you know, Good for you. I mean, obviously, that one's obviously stuck in your mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, legend. Absolute legend. Uh,
0: just quickly look at the top of the FedEx playoffs. Obviously, these guys will be safe. Morikawa lead. Speakers in second. Cantlay in third. Uh, Harris English fifth. So, you know, all these big names you used to see. And uh, we've had a good season are up there. And it'll start to get more interesting yet yeah, at the end of the Wyndham. And then we'll move straight into the playoffs. Um, so look out for that this week. Over on the European Tour, the Kazoo Classic, another Kazoo-sponsored event. You can't can't get away from Kazoo at the minute. Um, the London Club is hosting the Kazoo Classic. The club returning to the European Tour after hosting the European Open in 2008 and 2009, as well as a world match play in 2014. Who do you like for this one, Elliot? It's a, it's a much stronger field than the European Tour had at, at the Hero Open last week. And it's a, a beautiful club, uh, the London Club.
1: Yeah, have you played it?
0: I haven't, mate. No, I've, I've not had the honour of you.
1: No, I know that we do a lot of filming there um, but haven't quite got down there yet but would love to. Looking at the odds, I I love John Catlin. I mean, I spoke to him last year and he's he's a lovely guy. He's won three times on the European Tour and he's dominated over in Asia. So it'd be great to see him win again. He is um, really good when he's in contention. So hopefully he can get into contention this week. And um, also Masahiro Kawamura, he's been playing really well lately and um, obviously Japan is on a a big role right now with the Olympics and they had a silver medal at the weekend in the golf. So um, yeah, it'd be good to see him pick up a W on the European tour as
0: well. will go there. I like, I like watching him play golf. Um, Robert Rock as well. I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to pick him just because he hold, he holds the course record at my home club. So that, that's all I've got for you on that. I just, oh. I just want to drop that in more than anything.
1: What's that course record?
0: Uh, 64. And I ran a par 70. It's a Fulford heath golf club in, in Worcestershire, for those who would like to know it. Um, I think the amateur record's actually lower than the professional record, but um, he, he was there quite a while ago, but I like Robert Rock. And he doesn't play in a cap. Another thing I like about him. I love a golfer that doesn't play in a cap.
1: Yeah, uh, on the subject of our home clubs, I saw a Formula One driver at my home club the other day. I mean, I'm not going to reveal which Formula One driver it was, I don't think, just for privacy reasons you know don't want anybody steamrolling my home club and <laughs> trying to get autographs all because of my fault but yeah that was really cool just like walking down to the to the tenth tee and i just bumped into him gave him a little fist bump said i'm a big nice. fan and um the, the formula one driver in question didn't really seem too pleased to see me to be honest
0: <laughs> he was trying to hide away did you happen to see his golf swing no i did not he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would play golf to me. I don't know why. I'm I'm uh I f i am I follow F1 enough to to know this chap. Uh he just doesn't seem like a golfer. Good for well, him though.
1: He's quite new to the game actually. He's been getting lessons with our professional. Um nice. and yeah, he's down there all the time because he just lives around the corner. But um yeah, any celebrities or pros you've randomly met on the golf course? Uh
0: so I went to a an event a couple months ago for like a shoe launch. And I thought it was just going to be a bunch of journalists there, but this company invited a lot of influencers as well. And I was just warming up and then um, Wayne bridge walked past me and I was like, okay, that's Wayne bridge. Pretty cool. Then tubes walked past me. Who else did I see? So I found out after the event, Joe Cole was there. So I missed him as well. Um, And then at my club, four teeth golf club, seven or eight years ago, uh, Ian Botham and Shane Warne were playing uh, a hole of golf in 18 counties in England. So they're playing a hole, getting a helicopter. And we were supposed to be Worcestershire's um, sort of hole. However, they arrived late because of various delays. But luckily, Fulfield Golf Club is in Worcestershire and Warwickshire. So if you go to the other side of the river on our golf course, you're in Warwickshire. You come to the club outside, you're in Worcestershire. So they played two holes and we basically saved their day. Um, unfortunately, I didn't meet them, but I, I just knew they were there.
1: Ah, fun fact there. Very interesting.
0: Say <laughs> what? Both has got a tidy swing as well. Very tidy swing. This is a while ago now, so he's a bit older. So maybe, maybe he's not so good anymore. But yeah, those are the only celebrities I've met on the golf course. Um, and I managed to miss Joe Cole, which was a bit good about.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Wayne Bridge actually. Even though I'm an Arsenal fan, and he was a Chelsea guy, wasn't he? But I remember seeing him in the jungle a few years ago.
0: Yes, yes, he oh, was good on that.
1: Yeah, top guy. He seems like a really nice guy.
0: Okay, finally this week, the Trust Scottish Open on the L.E.T. and L.P.G.A. It's a big two-week stretch uh, for these guys with the Scottish Open this week and then the Women's Open next week. It's being played at the brand-new Dunbarney Links. Uh, I think it only opened in May 2020, so it's a very young course. But that course is already in Golf Monthly's UK and Ireland Top 100 list. Uh, so I'm super excited to, to watch this and, and get a good look at the golf course for the first time. 32 women for the Olympic field have made their way over to Scotland and Stacey Lewis is the defending champ. Uh, huge two weeks for the LET and LPGA, Elliot. I'm really excited. Uh, A, to watch this event, I said, at the new Dunbarney Links, and then we've got the Open next week.
1: Yeah, cracking time for women's golf. Um, when I played in the Aramco team series recently, I don't know if I told you that. Clang. Um, <laughs> but no, I was speaking to Alice Houston, my playing partner, and she was just saying like, you literally cannot take a week off at the moment because it was a Rampco team series. Then they went to Finland, which is quite a big purse. Then they went to Northern Ireland for the, the mixed event. Then they went down to Sotogrande Grande last week for the Rampco team series, then back to Scotland this week, then the open next week. Uh, and you think where the LET was last year, two years ago, three years ago. I mean, it's just an absolutely fantastic time for these LET pros and, um, yeah, what an honour it is for them to to be the first tournament played at Dunbarney Links. Uh, we were meant to play there last year, actually, before it opened, but COVID um, put that off, which I was absolutely gutted about. So, yeah, really, really excited to see it this week. It'll be on the Sky Sports Golf YouTube channel, I, I would imagine, for free. So, going to be watching quite a lot of that.
0: Yeah, and it's I think they've got four hours a day of coverage on, on Sky Sports Golf. So, loads of coverage for it, as they rightly should be. Lydia Coe's there, Yuka Sasso, uh, Sophia Popov, who's going to be defending her Women's Open crown next week. Yeah, it's just a stacked field as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just reading off the press release here from um, the, the Women's Scottish Open. 16 major winners in this year's field, 26 titles between them. It, it's just going to be a great event. I can't wait to see his golf course. That's that's a bit gutting that he didn't get to go play it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we're meant to be playing the old course as well
0: so um that's got a sting that has yeah
1: um yeah maybe one day mate it's it's definitely top of my bucket list and to to get to Dunbarney but you know watching it this week will be the next best thing I guess
0: I think so all right I think so (laughs) um it looks a beautiful course so keep your eye out for that so a, a lot of golf to look out for this week with the Wyndham the Kazoo and the Trust Scottish Open a lot of fun. Elliot, are you going to play anything this week? You were just telling me before we came on air that you, you've tweaked your back, but you've got an important match coming up.
1: Yeah, I've got a match tomorrow with my dad, uh, round three of our four-ball knockout, so um, yeah, hopefully I'm fully fit for that because uh, I'm going to need to be because the last time I played with my dad, he was... Um, yeah, you know, I had to carry him around, basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure we would have to hear that. Hopefully a better round. Um, yeah, and
1: I, I said to him last time, like, you better play better than that next time you play. So um, hopefully he's going to bring his A game because I might not have mine.
0: Brilliant. Well, I really look forward to hearing about that next week. Um, but that will about wrap it up for this week. You can see plenty more news, reviews, all sorts of stuff on the Golf Monthly website. website. Um, Elliot, thank you so much
1: yeah thanks dan great podcast again again listeners if you like dan please let us know and um, leave us a review on apple Podcasts. that's where you listen because it really does help us get up the charts
0: yeah i saw review a few reviews come on this week actually so thank you so much for everyone listening and reviewing and you can get us in all sorts of places but if you're on apple Podcasts, yeah that would be awesome so yeah thank you elliot um and the golf monthly clubhouse podcast we'll be back next week